Hi, friends and colleagues. It is Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, podcast number 71. My special guest is Dr. Tracy Ford. Today, our conversation is all about introducing second languages to our young singers. Now, Tracy has some amazing strategies. She also has some fantastic resources. She even has suggestions on how to incorporate language into your vocal warm-ups. A wonderful conversation right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy Ford. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. So happy to be here. And I hear things are pretty chilly in Chicago. It is record-breaking temperatures cold. <laughs> it's like negative 23 right now. That's Everyone is locked inside. And so I thought, wow, this is like the perfect day to do a podcast, right? Because <laughs> what else am I going to do? What else are you going to do? <laughs> if you're not recording a podcast, you could be listening to a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Well, I am so excited to talk to you. Um, you are a wonderful, valued member of our uh, Voice Teachers for Young Singers Facebook group. And whenever the conversation comes around about languages, I love how you dive right in because this is something that you are crazy passionate about. But before mm -hmm. we dive into that, could you give everybody just a, a little bit of background, how you started as a singer, and then your education is also very language uh, friendly, language based, and just kind of give us your abridged life story. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's definitely taken like some winding roads along the way. Um, but as an adolescent, I was always drawn to foreign languages and I was a singer, I was in lessons. Um, but when I went to college, I didn't actually consider studying music in college. Oh, okay. Um, so I went right away into college and studied French language and literature. Wow. And then I took on a second major in linguistics. Wow. I, yeah, I. so I grew up hearing French spoken around my house because Half of my family's Canadian, yay! And my mom, my grandmother spoke French, um, and my dad's side of the family spoke Greek. So I was used to hearing foreign languages, and so it was it was like a cool thing to hear people speaking different languages. Um, my sister ended up being a high school Spanish um, teacher, so we were our language our uh, family is filled with languages. Love after, that. Yeah, after I. Um, did my degree in French and linguistics, I was like, okay, where this music part is still haunting me. You know, it's like the story of musicians. We try to get away from it. It keeps <laughs> pulling us back. We're like, maybe I'll do this. We get pulled. So I got pulled back. And long story short, I ended up going back and getting another bachelor's degree in voice, which I don't recommend anyone do. If anyone's listening to this and they're thinking <laughs> of doing that, I think that's crazy. Please call me, email me, and we can talk. <laughs> That. Um, <laughs> um, so it's just so much more expensive today. And then I ended up go. I said, okay, once I did, once I did that, I realized, all right, music and singing is where all of my passions and my love for languages and music are coming together. I'm going to pursue this in the graduate realm. And so I did end up going and doing a master's and then doctorate at the university of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. And, you know, I, like many people thought I might get a teaching job at a university. 
I entered the world at a very difficult time, mm. um, you know, and, and jobs are very difficult. We can see this in several of mm. our Facebook realms. Yes. I love young people. Like, I, you know, I have never had a problem with teaching young people. So I ended up being a private studio teacher in different capacities and, um, you know, ended up around 2012, like establishing my own studio, getting my own retail space, you know, hanging my sign, Tracy Ford voice, where it was my place and people came to me. And so, you know, that's really what I've been enjoying building on and growing. And um, I, you know, so I teach a lot of singers of different ages, but obviously I mainly teach um, younger singers and adolescents. Yay! And I love, I love it. It gives me so much gratification um, and satisfaction. I don't regret not teaching in the academic realm. Um, you know, and if anything, I would want to teach music ed people because I just so believe in music education um, yes. and you know, things and helping people. And that's why I'm so active in the Facebook page. I'm like, you know, I wish 10 years ago. I had your page and I had the resources that I have now because I would have been such a better teacher. You know, it's, it's taken me so long to get to where I'm at that I'm so glad that maybe we can help people get there a little quicker. Oh, I, I love everything you're saying. And yes, my first, first, I would say three or four years of teaching were so difficult because I didn't have any colleagues and I didn't have any resources and it was such a challenge and it's so, it's, there's so much more out there and we're just so lucky. They're just so lucky. Well, I am, yes. I am thrilled that you are, are supporting the members of our, our Facebook group and, and you're sharing your passion today. Um, I love how language has just been your go-to from the very beginning. So when you are working with the young students, so your teaching studio, what's the youngest you have right now? The youngest student I'm teaching for 10 minutes is four and a half. Oh, wow. And so I know it's, she's an itty bitty and she really wanted to take lessons. And so I wouldn't say that what I'm doing with her would apply, but I would say maybe second grade, third grade. Okay. Um, you know, so seven and eight. Youngest, more serious yeah. student that I've yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then what age do you start working on a, on a second language with? You know, I'm going to answer that question a little, you know, in a few different ways because it's, it's really open and which is great. And a lot of private teachers are going to deal with, you know, it's just, it's not, you know, science. So <laughs> sometimes, you know, you're dealing with all kinds of different developmental levels and ages. Mm -hmm. So because I use the, I, I teach the Royal Conservatory of Music mm -hmm. syllabus, uh, I use the syllabus to help guide my teaching. I don't, not all my students prepare for exams, but mm -hmm. I'm totally an RCM girl. And I use that voice syllabus as my like repertoire Bible. You know, some of my younger students have the preparatory book or the level one book. And so there are foreign language songs in there. So I like, especially with my younger students, I like to ask them. I like to let the student lead me in where they want to go in their voice lessons and so we have a conversation and I say, hey, have you ever thought of singing in a foreign language? And most of the time with the younger ones, like, you know, I can think of one I have right now that's in third grade. She just lights up and she gets so excited. Oh, my gosh. Like, I could sing a song in Spanish. Well, I'm taking Spanish in school. That sounds so cool. 
Or another student, you know, says, well, I, you know, this actually these lessons happened like two days ago. The student who's in fourth grade said, oh, well, I'm studying French in school and my teacher would love it if I sang a French song. And so I think that when, you know, having these conversations and then recognizing the student get, getting so excited about building a connection between their lessons and what they're doing in school that's definitely an opportunity you, you know, want to build on. And the young students actually, you know, like that are in second, third, fourth, fifth grade, they, you know, they don't really have as many inhibitions as some older students. That is one of the benefits of working with the littles is they're, they're a little more willing and adventurous. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't present it as something that's difficult. I present it as something, yeah, this could be fun. Let's do it. Um, and then we, we just go with it. On the other hand, I've have had, students and I would call them young singers because they're, you know, under eighth grade maybe and mm -hmm. still developing. And, um, and you might even call a young singer or a beginning singer, a high school student, you know, right. yep. and you might even counter a college student that you're introducing a language to for the first time. So there's all sure. these different stages you have to take into consideration. Um, you know, I have had a student that is a very good singer and she never wanted to sing in a foreign language. Mm -hmm. And she even speaks Bulgarian at home. And I'm like, you know what foreign languages sound like, but she didn't want to do it. And she was a really like high level singing adolescent. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's it. You're singing an Italian song. You know, yeah. we're doing this. Right. So then I started with Italian. So I, yeah, I guess having the conversations um, and then letting the student see what Go. When you got started with that student with the Italian piece, did she realize it wasn't such a big deal? After a while, yeah. yeah. It took a while, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's Well, let's look at the different stages. So let's take a younger student, maybe grade two or three or four. How do you introduce the language? Do you start by speaking the text? Do you talk about the vowel sounds of that particular language? What are your step-by-step -step kind of method? Um, well, generally, I approach the music like I would any language song in that we usually look at the rhythm and the, you know, the rhythm and the pitches separately okay. before we put text. I even do that with English songs mm -hmm. so that we can knock out the, the rhythm and the pitches. Um, usually with my younger ones, sometimes they are doing the RCM program and that they have those technical exercises. Mm -hmm. And so... That is a great, even if you're not, you know, preparing people for exams, using simple scales and introducing vowel IPA symbols, mm. I think is you could do at an early age sure. and they can get it and it won't be too intimidating. So a lot of my students are familiar with looking at a vowel symbol, an IPA symbol in brackets, mm -hmm. and then understanding that that's a sound that they sing on different patterns. Nice. So even some of my young ones are familiar with that. Usually with those younger students, I do teach them the language by rote with me pronouncing the words first. So let's take the Spanish song, En la Pulga de San Jose. I will speak the words very slowly. With the young ones, I'll really accentuate my mouth moving because they really watch the mouth. Mm -hmm. nice, I don't yeah. think you can teach them from an intellectual approach of let's dissect the IPA and put all these symbols in. <laughs> okay. And so I teach them by rote and have them repeat. Um, I make small corrections. Yeah. And um, I then I let them I let them have a go with it. It's like 
you got to let them ride the bicycle and they might fall off a few times and they might, especially in that younger age, they are going to make errors. Mm -hmm. They're going to sing things incorrectly. But my philosophy is that I'm going to allow them to sing things imperfectly at that young age because I want them to build confidence just singing a song in a foreign language. Nice. And then I, I pick my battles very specifically, you know, um, and I can tell you about one that I'm picking in that particular Spanish song about specific sounds to the language that are different than English. They get a little more detailed, nice, you know, and making corrections. Mm -hmm. So with, with the young ones, you know, I think it's, you need to be encouraging and positive and just say, let's go with this. And if you're too nitpicky, you know, it might make them feel a little more self-conscious. Letting them just kind of get a handle on it first before you start to make those corrections can can go a long way to keep them engaged and keep them uh, positive about the experience. Um, and I love yeah. I love what you said about picking your battles. I think that yeah. I think that should be every voice teacher's uh, you know a reminder before you start your teaching day. You can't fix everything that's happening and sometimes you just got to give them compliments and leave the rest alone for another day I think that that was one of the things I struggled with when I was a young teacher I just I felt that we had this little bit of time and in that little bit of time I had to smush as much correction and knowledge and you just overwhelm them and yourself as well so I love that pick your battles That is a big mistake I made, too, when I was a young teacher. How do we help our our students, our younger students, or really any student, with the rolled R's or the flipped R's? How do we do that? How do you do that? Yeah, great question. Um, I think it's a great sound to explore right away at a young age. And when I say explore see if the student can do it, mm. you know, in, in the lessons, like maybe in a warm up, you know, if you're a lot of teachers use lip trills as a little warm up. I saw, I loved your spaceships. So with the lip trill, you know, it's not a big deal because we don't sing songs with lip trills in them, but the tongue trill is really important. So at an early age, you could start exploring the sound. And if your student is good at it, encourage them to keep practicing, to get the facility. You could, you know, incorporated into little warm-ups like and you know have vowels Mm -hmm. following your your trill um with the students that have difficulty you should encourage them and say this is a you know something you can learn how to do right so i think that's a really important thing to say is this isn't something that you can or can't do you can learn how to do this And it might take you a long time and you might get like a little bit better and a little bit better and you need to practice regularly. So there are a couple exercises that I suggest to my students to do to get that facility. And one of them is to say butter, 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 because the tongue goes back when you say butter, which is a word that they can say, and that's kind of a flipped R, the yeah. tongue goes back, butter, 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 in the beginning of where it should go for a trill. Wow. But they I'm, can't get I'm it. sitting here going, silently going, butter, 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 feeling my tongue <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> that's brilliant. And it's got to be French salted, of course. Ah, you know? yes. 
I love it. Um, pitter, patter, pitter, patter, pitter, patter, pitter, patter. Um, and so, you know, with, especially with young students, you can make up like silly things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so that's the first one. And then the second one, I tell them to practice saying a G followed immediately by a D. So it's a voiced cons, two voice consonants. And to really let the, let the tongue be flexible as they do that. They're going to insert a little vowel in between, a little shadow vowel. Um, but you want to make sure they don't go like and tighten their tongue, but keep their tongue really floppy and loose. That's another practice they can do. And, you know, you can say, hey, practice this in the car on the way to school, you know, you know, make, practice, you know, five minutes a day while you're riding around in the car, um, because it is something that's a coordination that they have to find. And it honestly could take a year, two years, three years, and it's something that they'll be inconsistent with it. Um, so in the songs, if I'm, you know, a workaround is to have them say, as they're getting to something, instead of a rolled R, to insert a D. Oh, and you, okay. And it can actually come out as a D. Ooh. It comes out as a flip. Interesting. I like um, that. I'm so stealing that, Tracy. <laughs> but, and I didn't invent, I mean, I'm sure I got all these ideas from other people along the way, too. Um, I'm trying to think of a um, an Italian word, you know. Oh, like care. Okay. Or caro. Okay. Right? Or caro. So if you say caro, and you can't say like, they, the student isn't going to say cado. Okay. Right. You say, don't say that. Caro. And just say a really quick D and they start to find where that place is. Oh, lovely tip. Yeah, things to experiment around with. Mm -hmm. I'm still sitting here with my mouth and my tongue (laughs) and I'm mouthing words. These are really great strategies. Thank you. They're helpful. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey everyone, Melissa here, and today we're getting social as we chat about social media best practices. In 2018, there were roughly 2.6 billion social media users. Obviously, this has become a very powerful tool, but in order for it to work for your business, you need to have a plan. This includes determining your goals with a given social channel and defining your audience. Depending on your goals and target audience, this will influence the kind of content you post. When it comes to content, quality and consistency is key. Consider starting with just one or two social channels and create a social calendar to keep yourself organized. Luckily, there are all kinds of online resources and free templates you can use to get yourself started. The content itself should speak directly to your target audience and be visual and engaging. Recent stats show that tweets with images are 150% more likely to get retweets than text-only tweets. So, what social channels should you use? This really depends on the needs and goals of your business. However, a lot of My Music staff users communicate with their communities via Facebook and Instagram. Just remember, know your audience, create consistent, engaging content, and have fun in the process. Start your 30-day free trial of My Music staff today at mymusicstaff.com. Stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. Some of our... Some of our little ones have speech impediments. They struggle with the R's. Yeah. 
and then and then now we're trying to make them roll the R's. Is that maybe a better student to wait until another day for to with dive span- with, with with any kind of language? I mean, so my gut reaction to that question is if that student gets excited about singing a Spanish mm. song, don't worry about it. Okay. You know, they're not, a, you know, it's developmental. And so you're allowing them to do something that they expressed mm-hmm. interest and excitement in. And I think that's a really important thing that teachers need to kind of latch on to. Right. And it's, and this, you know, whatever song, cause you actually can find there are lots of like little folk songs that can even be sung acapella. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't even have to be the level of a song with piano. That's like a mini art song. Right. Uh, but I would say just let the student explore mm-hmm. and get things on their own time and not worry about it. I mean, if they're being examined and they're going to be graded or evaluated, that would be different, but most of the time, the, we're, we're guiding students on their own timeline. I think though most examiners recognize that the young singers are, are in different levels of development and that things like speech impediments and stuff, I mean, they might, they might note it, but I mean, they're not penalizing the kids for that. I, I would, would hope. I'm not a, an official, but I, from my understanding, that's correct. Okay. That's good to know, because again, I, I think one of the one of the challenges I have, and I'm very cautious of, is my students that get wrapped up in scoring and marks. I right then then we have to have the conversation with parents about you know this isn't about these marks. You're not going to get a ninety seven because right. they don't give those out. And exactly right. Okay, I like I love all of that. Now, what about um, what about some of the mixed vowel sounds that we get? Mm. Um, how, how do you handle that? How do, what do you do mm. with those? Good question. <laughs> um, I feel like I have a lot of conversations with more of my intermediate students sure. that are, and <clears throat> my more developed high school students about these mixed vowels. And, you know, we talk about them and I, they have to sing them. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, again, if we go back to RCM land, because that's something that I always have in the back of my mind, once they get to level five or grade five, they have to do the mixed French sound. So that's something that the students have to do. So they, um, but do you want to know maybe an approach to helping students explore that? Again, you would probably take some of your simple vocal warm-ups and then use those vowels. With my little baby beginner students, like let's say they're singing that little French song, Au Clair de la Lune. Mm, yes, yes. Right? Which is a super cute little, great first song for a it's young a person. It's a little song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we do have the Lune. And so technically, they should do that sound. And I do introduce that sound to them. Um, I don't really analyze it, but I demonstrate it and ask them to, uh, you know, model off what I'm doing. But I actually, that mixed sound, I don't think it's too complex to explain to a young student how it's made. It's called a mixed vowel, just like, and you could say, you know, if we take two different colors and blend them together, you know, because they're young kids, so they can think colors. If we take blue and yellow, I'm looking at your post-its on your screen, <laughs> and <laughs> if we 
take blue and yellow and we mix them together, we get a new color. And that's exactly what we're doing when we're singing this vowel. And it's a sound that we don't really use regularly in English. Mm. But sometimes we might, if we're saying an expression like, ew, we kind of get a little close to it. Like, so you can get them to experiment making gross sounds, (laughs) (laughs) which I mean, what young student doesn't like doing that, you know, like, especially ones with little brothers. How do you feel about your little brother? Ew. (laughs) So uh, you can describe it as, all right, so we're going to take the first color and we're going to say an E inside our mouth. E, and we're going to put our tongue in that position. I don't think that that's an advanced thing to have a conversation with a student about. So then we, you know, we can say, all right, now let's separate and let's say, ooh, and round our lips. So then go back to the E and say, now we're going to say the E and we're going to continue the E. We're not going to stop saying it. We're not going to move the tongue. E. And then we're going to round our lips around that and give the student some time to repeat that and model that. Sustaining the E. Prompt them to round the lips without moving the tongue. And so that's how they can practice it. And I don't I don't think it's that hard. And then you could take that, all right, let's sing that on a single note. Don't do any like crazy five tone, you know, don't do any major scales. Just how about let's sing that on one single note and nice. do a few notes up and down. So I don't I don't think that's an advanced thing. Um, I think you could dissect it with a young student. Um, and then point out words in their songs that have that. The other vowel that I'm um, addressing with another student who's singing like a more advanced art song by Forêt, Chanson d'Amour, is the uh, that mix sound. So she was having trouble with that. And it's just, it's a lot of me modeling and correcting. And I know French. Yeah, I just wanted to say I love people can't see you. I I can see you in the screen, but I love how you're using your hands and you're bringing your hands to squish the mouth together. Well, especially especially in French, I sort of emphasize that French is a very lip dominant language. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and English isn't. It's very especially Chicago is very (laughs) flat. (laughs) And so the concept of rounding, you know, so they just getting them to do that, I probably automatically go into that because I'm constantly modeling and correcting. I love that. Yeah. So uh, the dentalized T is something that comes up quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And even at a young age is something that we might want to consider introducing and encouraging our students to be able to develop because it's so important. Um, and it immediately, they explode their T's because, you know, they're like, I'm going to do good. I'm an, my teacher is going to love my diction. And they just... Oh my gosh. So um, here's a little visual, fun little game that you could do to help um, in a warm up or in the middle of a song to encourage your students to dentalize. So in my right hand, I'm right handed. um, I've got like a drumstick and I'm going to, I have like the symbol in front of me of a drum set. You know how it makes that real like tinny sound. Yeah. Um, But on my other side, I'm going to cover the symbol with a towel and so I'm going to hit it and it's not going to like make that metallic sound. So it kind of mutes it. And so I had my student, I, you know, I tried this out on my student and it seemed to work and she seemed to realize what the differences were. Now, when we went back and sang the song, 
she didn't, you know, make all the corrections, but she did a few times and was aware of, oh, it sounded too So I thought that was like a fun little cute um, way to, you know, introduce the differences between the aspirated and dentalized tea. So you could try that. Love that. Love that visualization. Nice. All right. Stealing that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stealing that one, Tracy. That's gold. Now we have to move into expressive singing. Mm -hmm. And that is always a challenge, especially, I mean, that is a challenge in English songs, let alone a French song. Right. Um, Well, I want to back up with one exercise that I actually learned. I'm going to give a shout out to my lovely first voice teacher, actually, and then my bachelor college voice teacher, Frances Brockington. She did this exercise with me, and I remembered it because I was like, this is a brilliant exercise. Nice. And I think it could be done with any level of French, but I especially do it with my intermediate and upper level students who are still like really more established singers, but they're exploring like French or German for the first time. Mm -hmm. And what, and I think that this is related to them really mastering the words and feeling comfortable with the text. Um, And that's really hard to do because it's a new language. Mm -hmm. And so it helps them with accuracy, but I believe also expression. And so the exercise is just chanting the text on an individual note in the rhythm of the song, up and down the scale. And I think that this helps with so many things. So for example, it's especially good with more difficult stuff. So chanson d'amour, you know, I'm going to sing with my head cold a little bit, like, j'aime tes yeux, j'aime ton front. And then we would go on, j'aime tes yeux. We could go by half step or whole step. And we'd start in the middle voice and we'd go up mm-hmm. into like C above middle C. So we'd be chanting on some higher pitches, which helps with support and getting oh. people used to the singing in that more sustained range. After my, mm-hmm. So this is how I have students practice the text for a more advanced, especially more advanced song, but I think you could do it with an early song um, so that they can really start to like savor the words and really master them. It makes like not that. only the like technical aspects of the singing a lot better, but I think it makes them more expressive in the language. So that's one exercise that I found super helpful. Um, But I think that um, there's a few other things, especially at intermediate and upper levels. I really do think that you need to start dissecting the language and helping them understand what individual words mean so that they can be more expressive on them. Now that doesn't mean like in a college level setting, they expect you to do that. And you have to do word by word translations and IPA for all of your songs. Like that is not what I'm doing with a high schooler, but I'm sort of doing preparatory steps for that. So I'll point out, you know, if you're going to sing the word heart or if you're going to sing the word uh, longing, you know, or uh, expressive mm. words, you need to point out what what those words are in the foreign language and then maybe write an English translation above them so that it gives the student a visual clue about technically what the word means. With my younger students, I might say, for example, in um, La Pulga de San Jose, I might say, we're going to think one word when we sing this chorus And that word is inviting people or a phrase, you know, inviting people because 
in the chorus, that's generally what it's about. And I don't focus and worry about, I want you to know exactly word for word what you're saying because they're like in third grade, you know, but they can remember I'm supposed to be inviting someone, right? Yes. Or we might pick an emotion, sad, you know, and, and then we'll write that word above the phrase sad or happy, something on a basic level. Um, a couple other exercises that I think are helpful is to sing the song in an English translation, even if it's not a great translation, but it helps the student to kind of own the song in English and get the gist of what it's about. Thank you for that, because I've always kind of discouraged my students from doing it because yes sometimes the translations are horrible right um but yeah no that that is a great idea and with that said translations are horrible <laughs> depending on the t you know i mean we have i'm trying to encourage all levels of teachers here mm. and you know many teachers feel very because people in general feel insecure about their ability to speak in foreign languages. That's what yes. stops people from, you know, pursuing it because we're self-conscious. Mm -hmm. I've never been that way about languages. And I think that's one of the reasons why I take things for granted and just, I don't, I'm not fluent in German, but I'll, I'll teach a German song. No problem. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sort of, I'm sort of uninhibited and I would encourage all teachers of all levels even if you don't master the language, because you might be listening to me like, well, she knows all the rules and, she, you know, that's why she can do that. Even if you don't know all the rules, try to find sources that can help you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, and you can still make progress with your student. So one other thing I find that's very helpful, and I will do not for the whole song, but phrases or, you know, individual phrases is have the singer sing it in a translation that is a word for word translation, oh. which doesn't really make sense, you know, but like, mm. I remember doing this when I was in graduate school for Achishfus, you know, and I went through and sang that aria in, I figured out what each word was, wow. you know, even though what I sang ended up being jar, you know, garbage, because it didn't make sense <laughs> word for word. <laughs> but after I did that, I was like, I really think I understand more what emotions are happening where, Interesting. you know, and it's, you know, I think you can do that on a phrase by phrase. And there's so many resources out there that actually will provide a word by word translation for a foreign song. Yes, so yes, I might be getting ahead of myself there. But, uh, you know, if you're a teacher and you're like, well, I don't really know Spanish or I don't really know French that well. Don't be afraid. Jump on in. Ask mm -hmm. for help or you know, you could even come to that our Facebook page and say, could anyone give me like a word by word translation of this song? And I guarantee like 10 teachers are going to say, no problem, I have that. Yes. And just pop it in. So, yeah, yeah I think that's helpful to the student. <clears throat> Thank you for saying that, because we do have some just incredible teachers uh, that are so helpful and supportive. And that's why we set up that Facebook group was to give teachers a safe place to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. I've been I've been very fortunate um, because I not being uh, French is okay, but n not being truly comfortable with other languages. But I have wonderful colleagues locally, and mm -hmm. you know sometimes I'll you know go over to their house with a bottle of wine and I'll say, and, and my, and my, and my, my, my song and I'll go, 
So let's talk about this song. And, and it's, it's great. It's great for me. You know, I'm learning a new skill. And then I've, I yes. do feel better coming back to my kids with that. The one, the one language that is not my friend is German. I'm just going to put it out there. But I have, I, have a, I have a wonderful, wonderful friend who is, I mean, he studied in Europe. He is brilliant at the language. And I have no problem saying, especially if my kids are auditioning for university at that point, yeah. I'm right. like, you need to work with someone who speaks this really well. Right. And then right. I send them to them. Right. I think that's great. That's a really great point you just made. And it's hard sometimes because teachers, you know, we maybe feel like we should know it all. There is no way that we know it all. And I'm constantly asking people, you know, you know, for and I pay people, my friends, I'll pay them for their time for sharing whatever their expertise is. And you can either pay them with wine or money, whatever, Venmo. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, you know, I mean, it's so important to say, you know what? This isn't something that I'm an expert in. Go learn how to belt and learn musical theater mix from this person. Right. Um, and to not feel bad about that. But at the same time, to say, you know, maybe, I could, maybe I'm going to take something on and, and try something. Because I think most of the time that we, you, you can, you know, learn something and help your student. And then you become a better teacher for the next. And, you know, I love what you just said about supporting our friends because and paying them because I, I, that's something I, I've always done. I, that my friends, you know, I value that they are experts in their field. And yes, uh, whether it's a meal, a bottle of wine, or sometimes it's like, I'm going to come over to your house for a lesson and, and I'm going to pay your fee. I Mm -hmm. think we, we have so much to offer each other. We really need to support each other. Thank you for sharing that about taking, uh, not taking advantage of our friends and colleagues. I love that. Now, um, you have some really great resources for teachers. So what are your go-tos for languages? Um, give us, give us the lowdown of where you like to get your information. Well, when I learned about the Royal Conservatory syllabus for voice, um, it blew my mind because <laughs> um, I was teaching a lot of beginners and I was a person who came from a you know graduate program and all I knew was my graduate voice repertoire, right. which is not appropriate for most if not at most 95, 99% of the students that I teach. And I taught in high schools and I taught with other people. And I always felt that we gave students repertoire that was too advanced for them musically, intellectually, expressively. And so when I found that syllabus, it changed my life. And so my first go-to place is to look at that syllabus Mm -hmm. for, um, examples because that syllabus is vetted you know and it's been in development for years so it's the repertoire that's listed is more interesting repertoire that's surfaced over the years for whatever reason they're usually short accessible pieces yes the piano accompaniments are doable for a teacher like me who's not a great pianist um and for foreign languages i think that foreign language songs it, it, it gives me a great idea it gives me great ideas for repertoire that's developmentally appropriate, but also storytelling appropriate. You know, I'm going to give a young student a song like Isi Ba 
that's very esoteric and has a lot of, you know, even though it it came up in several discussions, oh, that's an easy beginning French song. And I almost had a heart attack because <laughs> I see that as college level repertoire or repertoire for a really good high school student mm-hmm. yeah. and not something you would ever start with because it's much more abstract. The poetry is, and storytelling demands are much more abstract. So I love the syllabus. Um, you know, if you're a beginning teacher, I would say for sure, try to get a few of the volumes so that you can see some of this repertoire, but you can find the repertoire other places too. Mm -hmm. But the syllabus is online and it's free, so it can give you ideas. Um, There's another collection that's really nice that's from the British school of exams called the Language of Song. And I think that that is an excellent resource for um, a teacher who is looking for some meteor repertoire, but, but for the teacher or student who wants the resources because the language of song comes in um, elementary, intermediate, and advanced volumes for low and high voice. And it has word-by-word translations. It comes with a CD accompaniment. Um, I think of diction lessons and piano accompaniments. So that would be a great resource to help a teacher who feels maybe a little less confident. Um, I also love for a more advanced student, uh, the standard vocal repertoire book by Hal Leonard. It's by, it's definitely not for a beginning to me. This is not beginning repertoire. Mm -hmm. It's like more, you know, established, um, singer, but not inappropriate for a high schooler who's really good. Um, it comes in soprano, mezzo, tenor, and bass volumes. And in that book, it comes with diction lessons, pronunciation guide. So the teacher is a little bit off the hook using these resources. Um, And, and, you know, the teacher doesn't have to make the recordings of the pronunciations. And it also has accompaniments of CDs. And maybe in the future, the RCM will offer some of those things too. That wouldn't be a bad idea because it would, you know, if there were diction lessons for some of the, even the simple folk songs that might support what teachers are doing. Um, So those are a couple of my favorite go-tos. You know, everyone thinks, oh, the 24 or 28 Italian art songs and arias. And I generally think of those as really advanced pieces. And so I almost never give those to a young student. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when I say young, I mean like eighth grade and below for sure. Yeah. We can definitely put links to those resources. Are there any Are there any websites that you uh, you check out for either uh, folk songs and other languages? There's a great website, um, and I I can send you the link uh, to Mama Lisa. <laughs> so forever ago, so this is kind of backtracking to my crazy life and how I got here. Forever ago, I used to teach summer camps at this school that closed down like overnight and left me stranded. Oh but it, it's okay. Things are better now. Um, don't ever be afraid if that happens to you. So, but I taught these these camps um, and they were, they were multi-arts camps. So we would pick a country like Spain, France, I mean, you name it. And so I ended up being sometimes the music teacher. And so I would research and find, and I was teaching really little kids. Um, I would research folk songs that I could teach them as part of the camp. I wasn't teaching them art songs. Mm -hmm. And so that website gave me a lot of ideas for maybe like, you know, very short, 
things that you could teach by a call and response modeling mm-hmm. method. Mm-hmm. And her website, Mama Lisa, she has links to so many other things. So you can get ideas for songs in all different kinds of languages, but they're not they're not art songs yet. No, they're, they're more just like very little- simple. I'm gl- yeah. really glad you brought that website up. I had forgotten about that. I use uh, that website um, for folk song ideas for my introductory vocal class. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's actually quite well organized, especially if you're looking for folk songs for location. And I, yeah. it's really lovely. And then she also has some collections um, of, of folk songs. And again, it's not, they're not in, they're not arrangements of them. They're just mm-hmm. usually the melody, a very simple form of the melody. That's a very helpful mm-hmm. website. Thank you for bringing that up. I'd forgotten yeah. about Mama Lisa's site. And one more I'll mention, because I did have a few students that it really resonated with. There is a folk song collection that's called something like Asian Folk Songs with song that are really beautiful melodies with kind of syllabic settings of Chinese, Japanese, and Korean. And that really resonated with a few of my students who were into like, you know, Oh, I want to sing a song in Japanese and Japanese is actually like Italian. So it's very syllabic with Mm -hmm. simple um, vowels. And that, that went, that's a great collection. Okay. We'll put a link to that as well on our website. Now um, I definitely want to have you back because maybe the next visit we could really dive into um, studying diction and IPA um, and and getting our students started with that. I love the suggestions that you've made today. And I'm, I thank you for those exercises, (laughs) such, uh, uh, such simple, but really effective exercises. I'm definitely going to be torturing a few of my students with that. We're offering to pay them. I loved that podcast where, the teacher put a stack of quarters on the piano and yes. yeah, that was the best thing I've ever heard. Yes. That was Jerry. Oh my gosh. I have, to, I've done that. I love that. He, so for those of you who haven't listened to that episode, it was one of the uh, vocal warmups from around the world world. So we, he was talking about, uh, was it the D the, uh, the D the D, the dentalized, dentalized D. So he'd put four quarters on the top of the piano, and if they did not dentalize the D, he got to take a quarter away, and then, <laughs> which I just love. <laughs> Children are yeah. are motivated by cash, right? Um, and then he said, but usually after that first quarter is taken away, they'll dentalize that that yeah, that right. D, and it's like no yeah. problem. So. I want to thank you um, for, again, for being such a wonderful, uh, supportive teacher in our group and and sharing your passion for languages. I know, uh, myself included, languages can can make us feel a little insecure and uncomfortable, but I love the way you say that we should just dive in and have some fun with it. And I also, again, just letting our students make mistakes and and work through it on their own on their own terms i think is such a great a great teaching reminder for all of us so i want to thank you so much for that so tracy well i'm having you back we'll talk about ipa and mm-hmm. uh, and i'm going to put all these links to all of these wonderful resources on the podcast page. Are you, are you welcoming of people reaching out to you if they have questions? 
Absolutely. Yes. Especially, especially if they're thinking about going and getting a BA in voice, right? After they already have another degree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll send them your way. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm looking forward to talking oh. to you again. My pleasure. Thank you for all the work that you do for our community, Nikki. I just, I adore you. Thank you. Thanks. A very special thank you to Tracy for joining me today on the podcast. If you are a member of Voice Teachers for Young Singers, our Facebook group, you can certainly ask more questions uh, about languages, and Tracy is a wonderful member there. If you would like more information about our resources that we mentioned in today's podcast, please visit our podcast page, thefullvoice.com backslash fvpodcast. And you can also get that link in the show notes. I would like to thank the wonderful people at my music staff. And I would like to thank you, the listener. Thank you for finding time in your busy schedule and for your support of our podcast. Please, please, please leave a review, a rating on iTunes, and make sure to tell your friends about all the wonderful things you learned on the Full Voice Podcast. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. Made my canoe music. Canoe music.ca.